going to do that. But everybody got their bulletins? Uh, just a couple of reminders. We had men's breakfast yesterday at a great time. Was there eggs? Men, how many of you guys like to eat? We had a good Bible study. Um, and uh, Gary does the questions for that. Randy teaches the class. It was actually a good turnout. I think we had 12 guys. So if we get you guys out on a Saturday morning once a month, and the date's there, August 19th is the next one. So if you're interested in men's breakfast, I like going to men's breakfast. One, I get to eat eggs and, and bacon and all that good stuff. So um, next thing, uh, the men's Bible study, August 5th at 8.30 in the Fellowship Hall. So if you're interested in that, you're welcome to come to that. Looking on to a couple other things, heart to heart. Um, there's no meeting for July um, and that's July 29th, 11th, is, do I got this right, or is that the primes? That's, the prime time. that's prime time, okay. So no meeting for July for Heart to Heart, but the prime time is July 29th at 1130, and you're going to meet at El Mexicano? I think that's next door, right? See, I went into the restaurant, didn't eat there yet, but it seems like it's pretty good food. So, um, Daughters Conference, September 15th through the 16th, so... Um, all right, what is the daughters conference? Is that the women's ministry or are we taking daughters? That's the women's ministry. I'm getting up to date on a lot of this stuff. Every place is different. So, all right, so that's the women's ministry and uh, it's $60, right? And it's uh, until August 15th and $80 at the door. Sign up sheet is in the foyer. Uh, youth activities, July 19th, water day. Doors open at six. Wear old clothes, nothing white, please. Amen to that. Um, July 27th, the laser zone in Ada. Leave the church at 4 o'clock. And then a couple other things on the back. Don't forget about Sunday school. I want to promote Sunday school. If, if you're able to make it here at 930, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a way to learn about the Word of God. And in today's society, there is an illiteracy when it comes to God's Word. So if you're able to make it to, uh, to Sunday school, that'd be great. Also, I want to let you know that uh, membership is open. If you want to become a member of the church, church, it's not chirp, but it's open. And I will be teaching a membership class, so we'll do that during Sunday school. I have material I've already printed out, I already know. And so if you're interested in becoming a member, let me know, and we'll get you on. It'll be a vote, I think, between us and the board. i got to look at what the bylaws say on that. And then also, don't forget about uh, our Sunday evening service tonight. And uh, I will be starting a series in the book of James. And so, any questions, anything that I missed this morning? All right, praise the Lord. And uh, uh, this is where we take up tithes and offerings. Who's our ushers at this time? All right, would you please bow your head as we go to the Lord. Father, we thank you for the blessings that you've given us. Lord, we want to give back into your kingdom. You've given us so much. You've given us your son who died on the cross. That's the greatest gift of all. We can never repay you. And Lord, we know we're not saved by works, but by grace through faith. But Lord, what we can give is of our money and our time. And we want to give back into your kingdom. Lord, I pray that you would double it, expand it, and use it for your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen.
we are your church we are your sons and daughters we've gathered here to be with you we lift our eyes we lay our hearts before you expectant here for you to move with our hands to the heavens alive in your presence oh god when you come so pour out your spirit we love to be near you oh god when you come you are the way the truth and life we Oh, how we long to know you more With our hands to the heavens alive In your presence, oh God When you come, so pour out your spirit We love to be near you, oh God When you come with our hands to the heavens alive In your presence, oh God When you come Pour out your spirit, we love to be near you, oh God. When you come, come like a rushing wind, come like the fire again, come like a burning flame. Have your way, have your way. Sing that again, come like a rushing wind, come like the fire morning, God. 
Father, just come and have your way in this service, Father. Go ahead, Dennis. Father, we know that you have great things in store for us today, God, and we anticipate it with excitement, Lord. Father, we just want to be alive in your presence, God. Father, wake us up, God. Wake us up with your spirit this morning, Father. Just immerse us in a new anointing, Father, like never before. Father, we give you free reign in this service, God, not only in the sanctuary, God, but in our hearts, Father. I give you free reign in my heart this morning, God, to come and change whatever needs to be changed, Father. In the name of Jesus, we anticipate it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So come and consume me. My heart is ready. Lord, if I burn, I burn for you. With no hesitation, without reservation. God, if I burn, I burn for you. Give me a fresh, fresh fire. Give me a fresh, fresh fire. I want what you desire. I want to burn for you. Give me a fresh, fresh fire. Give me a fresh, fresh fire. I want what you desire. I want to burn for you. moment I'm living. God, if I live, I live for you. I love your presence. You're my obsession. God, if I live, I live for you. Give me a fresh, fresh fire. I want what you desire. I want to burn for you. Give me a fresh, fresh fire. Give me a fresh, fresh fire. I want what you desire. I'm gonna burn for you. Uncontrolled, I want that fire, I want that fire. So light a match and let it go, set a place uncontrolled, I want that fire, I want that fire. So light a match and let it go, set a place uncontrolled, I want that fire. Go and set a place uncontrolled. I want that fire. I want that fire. Give me a fresh, fresh fire. Give me a fresh, fresh fire. I want what you desire. I want to burn for you. 
Give me a fresh, fresh fire. Give me a fresh, fresh fire. I want what you desire. I want to burn for you. Give me a fresh, fresh fire. Give me a fresh, fresh fire. I want what you desire. I want to burn for you. Give me a fresh, fresh fire. Give me a fresh, fresh fire. I want what you desire. I want to burn for you. you would just breathe the breath of life into them morning. Father, just fan that flame, God. Fan that flame, God. Spark a new fire for you in their hearts, Lord. In their families, God.
For hearts that burn with holy fear, purified in faith and deed, refiner's fire, strengthen what remains. So we, the church, you bear your light, lamp of flame, city bright, king and kingdom come is what we pray. And we need a fresh wind, the fragrance of heaven. Pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. A holy anointing, the power of your presence. Pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. Oh, we need a fresh wind. Fragrance of heaven, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. A holy anointing, the power of your presence, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. And let all the redeemed prophesy. Pour 
Just play that fresh wind, just the chorus, just real easy. Father, we submit ourselves this morning to you in your presence, God. Father, we give you free room to just move, God, as you see fit this morning. Father, we're crying for a move of God. A holy anointing in this house, God to be carried out from those that are here, God, that will experience it in this moment, God, so that they can take it out. Just a holy anointing, Father, a fresh touch of your spirit today, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. We wait on you. We wait on you this morning. Father, we just didn't Lord, we get in your presence right now. Lord, we invite you into this place this morning. You are here. Come, Lord. More of your presence, Lord. More of your presence. Hallelujah. More, Lord. I don't know if you've done this in a while and would you just take a moment just to begin to pray in the prayer language God has given you and do it unto the Lord if you've never experienced this it's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit it's the anointing of God what happened on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 God's spirit came in with a wind a mighty violent wind filled the whole house and he poured himself out on them Jesus says go in in Jerusalem away for the gift that I promised you and that is the gift of the Holy Spirit John the Baptist says when he comes he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire father we just anoint we, we just want the anointing we want more of you we want more of who you are it's not about the gift it's about you we honor you this morning
Let's just wait in God's presence for a little bit. If you're willing to be that vessel that God has spoken of, would you just raise your hands and just say, Lord, I'm willing. Just do it to the Lord. Say, I am willing, Lord. Yield yourself to Him. Yield to His presence. Allow Him to work in and through you to be His hands and feet, to be that witness to those around you, your family members, your co-workers, your friends, those you meet in the grocery store, those that you meet at the gas station, wherever it is. Father, we are willing this morning. Have your way in our lives this morning. Help us to walk with you this morning in a way that is holy and blameless and righteous. We just say yes to you this morning, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
that God's done yet here this morning. I'm going to do something different. Are, are you here this morning and, and you just need a little fresh touch of God this morning? You need some prayer. I want to open up the altars here this morning. But you know, this is called the altar down here for a reason. So I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith. Listen, this is God's church, not mine. So if you need prayer this morning, I'd like to pray with you this morning. If you just want a fresh touch of the Lord this morning, uh, you know, we'll get to the word this morning. But I, I just want to open it up. Anybody this morning, come on down to the altar. I want to pray with you this morning. Don't feel embarrassed. Don't. This is between you and the Father. And I will turn my mic off to keep it private. Fire, fan the flame. 
Father, we thank you for all that you are and all that you do. That you care about us. You care about every little thing in our life. And you want to pour out your spirit on us. And we thank you for that this morning. We thank you for what you've done, what you are doing, and what you will continue to do. And we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, you may be seated. Which one's the clicker up here? That one, okay. Where's it at? Okay, gotcha, thank you. Well, good morning. God is good. Everybody knows this. Come on, I know this. God is good. All the time. (laughs) I think we're going to get this again. Let's try it again. God is good. All the time. God is good. All right. (laughs) We'll get better at it. Amen. Hey, listen, for any of you guys that aren't familiar with, that's the move of the Spirit. Um, And I want to just real quick before I get in the message and uh, talk, I I just want to give a little explanation of what's going on. For some of you that most of us are familiar with the move of the Spirit, but listen, the move of the Spirit is what brings healing. It's Jesus through the move of the Holy Spirit, deliverance and and uh, breaking bondages and speaking to hearts and you know and and I, this isn't just my first go with the move of the spirit. I grew up in revival. I grew up in the Vineyard Movement back in the '80s. I think I shared with you about a little boy that grew brand new eardrums. 
Did I share that with you guys? I used to be, mom used to take me back to the intercessory prayer room and I was back there. A, a, a grandpa and grandma would bring their son every, their grandson every Sunday to church. And back in the 80s, you had something called the intercessory prayer room. And my mom would take me back there to lay hands on God was already training me for the ministry back then. But I remember back then he had implanted hearing aids into his ears and he really couldn't hear. It was more like sounds. And for a whole year, they brought him back there and they would pray for him that God would heal him. I was back the, the day that he got healed. I remember the grandparents crying because they were snapping their finger and he could hear. And when he got healed, the doctor got saved because the doctor went in and found out he grew brand new eardrums. So I've seen miracles and, and signs and wonders and God is about miracles, signs and wonders. We're not assemblies of God by name only. We're assemblies of God because we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what is taking place. And that, we need to be open to the move of the Spirit. God, God wants to work. And sometimes we get a little timid at it. It's okay. Uh, don't be shocked if there's times God lays something on my heart and I call you out, okay? I just, I'm giving you a forewarning now. Uh, but he's done that. Also, real quick, an announcement. Something I didn't announce, uh, if it's okay with Christy. Uh, is it okay? She is a grandma, and they had a, Samantha had her baby, baby girl, Avery, this last week, and so C-section, so continue to pray for Samantha. Uh, Stacy knows what it's like to have a C-section, and for you ladies that have been through that, and then, uh, so congratulations, and uh, excited to have a new baby, and uh, uh, I'm not there yet, but I'll be there one of these days, so. All right, if you have your Bibles, please open up with me to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6. I'm going to figure this thing out here. Oh, I got it. So the title of the message today is, Where is God when I hurt? I've never taken it from this point in Isaiah chapter 6. Uh, God laid this on my heart. I know God is going through some things and working. The last few weeks he's talked about uh, some issues in people's lives about dealing with anxiety and healing and, and hurts. And, and I don't think God's done with it. As I prayed this week, he just kept laying this on my heart. And just like in the service this morning, you get the anointing of the Holy Spirit and it's strong and you can't ignore it. So we're going to be looking at the book of Isaiah. We're going to read verses 1 through 9, and then we're going to pray. So Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is breath and it's life. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for uh, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. 
Father, I pray as we listen to your word and as I teach your word this morning that you will open up our hearts to it. You will open up the eyes of our spirits to your scriptures this morning. Father, as your vessel, I can do nothing apart from you. So, Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I get out of the way so your spirit can speak this morning. Speak to hearts this morning. Speak to minds. Bring deliverance and bring restoration in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Now, this is not on the notes up here, but in my notes. It's interesting when we read the book of Isaiah Isaiah was one of those prophets that wrote about the destruction of Jerusalem and how God was going to bring uh, judgment on Israel. But in the midst of all this, in chapter 6, Isaiah, who is actually in, a, in a Babylon as a captive, he writes, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Isaiah begins his, des describing his vision by mentioning that it was during the time that King Uzziah died. King Uzziah began his reign at age 16, and it lasted 52 years. He was a relatively successful king who served the Lord well. He had several successful military campaigns and victories during his reign. He was a godly king and did what was right in the eyes of God until the end when he burned incense in the temple and God struck him dead. Which is a good picture for you and I. It's, it's not how you begin, it's how you what? Finish. You can find that in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verses 16 through 21. Most scholars believe that Isaiah was in mourning for the death of the king and struggling with how to comprehend what had transpired. David Gusick says this about Isaiah. So to say in the year King Uzziah died is to say a lot. It is to say in the year a great and wise king died. But it is also to say in the year a great and wise king who had a tragic end died. Isaiah had great reason to be discouraged and delusioned at the death of King Uzziah. Because a great king had passed away and because of his life ended tragically, Isaiah said, where was the Lord in all of this? And I'm sure many of you have asked that question, God, where are you in all of this? Some of you may not, again, like I mentioned last week, be going through something. I, I find it interesting that what I spoke on last Sunday was spoken by two other people earlier in the week. That's how God works, right? He wants to get his message across. He confirms things. And so there's times in our life when we say, God, where are you? Do, are, are you here when I hurt? And the answer is yes, he is. God is where we are when we are hurt. That brings me to the first thing. Where is God when I hurt? He is on the throne. Look in verse 1. In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Isaiah sees God seated on his throne. Guys, in your life, God is in control. Even when it seems like everything's in chaos, God is still seated on his throne. Even when our nation is going through all that it's going through, God is still seated on the throne. If you're born again and you know Jesus, he is seated on the throne in your life. That should bring you comfort and joy and excitement that no matter what I'm going through, Jesus is still in control. Second Chronicles 
Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 5 through 6 says, And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, our, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations and in your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. How many of you guys know the story of King Jehoshaphat? They were surrounded by armies and, and he's a king and he doesn't know what to do. So he calls the whole nation to a fast and a prayer and, a, and an individual prophesies and said, the, the battle is not yours, but what? God's. And when they begin to worship and they begin to praise God, God moved, and he set an ambush. In fact, he set an ambush. They attacked themselves. Isaiah chapter 30, verses 18 and 21. Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. I want you to put, that in, put yourself there. God wants to be gracious to you. He wants to show mercy to you. Mercy means getting something that I don't deserve. How many of us deserve hell today? That should be all of us. But God gives mercy. He doesn't give us what we deserve. And grace is unmerited favor. He gives you favor even though you don't deserve it. I'm so thankful for the times that God has favor with me. When you're unpacking and you lot lots of boxes and you can't find an iron on Sunday morning to iron your clothes... And you get frustrated? Thank you, Jesus, for your grace and your mercy. I even had to iron this coat this morning. He goes on to say, For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait on him. Let, let me stop there for a minute. Blessed are all those who what? Wait on him. When, God, when, when you need God to work on your behalf, when you're hurting... It, it, the, our biggest thing is we want God to work fast, don't we? Sometimes God wants you to wait, like this morning. We, we get our own agenda. Even pastors sometimes, we get our own agenda. We want to get up here and preach, right? Share what God has. But we need to be open to the move of the Holy Spirit. The hardest part for us Americans is to what? Wait. And I think that's everybody. Don't ever pray for what? Patience, right? Because God will give you patience. He says, for a people shall dwell in Zion and Jerusalem. You shall weep no more. He will surely be gracious to you. And at the sound of your cry, as soon as he hears it, he answers you. Remember last week I talked about the minute you pray, God what? He has an answer. He answers you. It may take a few days. I remember one time I was praying and I said, but God, I pray that you would answer. And he goes, well, give me some time to think about that. And he did. It, it, I had to give him a few days, and, and the answer came. It, we got a kitten this week, you know, and went to the tag agency. We got, went to tag agency. We, we promised my youngest daughter a, a kitten, and uh, we've been praying for a while. She's been waiting for a kitten. Great kitten. We got a little beautiful, just a, 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 a what, what do you call that, babe? The, you know, it's got the different colors. Calico. I'm so glad my wife's here to help me with that. But she had fleas, and so we had to put her in the bathroom and go get flea stuff and medicine. And, and uh, you know, sometimes waiting for things, and sometimes just because you get it doesn't mean it's always wrapped the way that you want it to be, right? Next, next one. 
This is not up here, but David Gusick says, where was the Lord in all this in the death of Uzziah and in the judgment of Israel? The Lord was sitting on a throne. God was still enthroned in heaven, was still in charge of all creation. There is a throne in heaven and the Lord God sits upon it as the sovereign ruler of the universe. This is the central fact of heaven, that there is an occupied throne in heaven. God does not sit on a chair in heaven. Anyone might sit on a chair. But sovereign kings sit on thrones. Judges sit on thrones. Those with proper authority and sovereignty sit on thrones. God in your life is seated on the throne. And you need to recognize that, that no matter what it is, he is in control. And I, I know I've reiterated that, but it's a reminder to us. Kaufman in his commentary says this, this is always the correct answer. No matter what tragic sorrow overwhelms and destroys mankind, whether individually or collectively, let all men behold the Lord upon the eternal throne. There and there only is the source of our salvation, hope and salvation. And I, I think I'm supposed to be clicking this, but I'll go through it. How's that? That work for you guys? <laughs> Did everybody get that? I get so excited I forget about the clicker. I had one up in uh, Abernathy, and sometimes I would go ahead of them, and then I'd, they'd have to go into the sound booth and catch up with me. I want to read this one. This one's from uh, uh, Kaufman again. He, see, he says, we appreciate McGeegan's discerning comment on this. For someone it might be, in the year that my wife or my son or my little girl died, or in the year that my business failed, or in the year my child became a drug addict, or in the year when my son was born crippled, or in the year of any great personal tragedy, God is still on the throne. Amen. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 says this, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every aspect with every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. God wants to sympathize with it. And please be patient with me as I get around getting used to this again. God knows your weaknesses and he wants to sympathize with you. Look at Romans chapter 8, verses 34. I'm just going to read it up here so I don't get lost in my notes. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, and who is indeed is interceding for us. So while God is on the throne, he is what? He is praying on your behalf. I, I think about that for a minute. This is not my notes, but Romans chapter 8 also says the Holy Spirit intercedes with us with moans and groans that words cannot express. So Jesus is praying for you, and the Holy Spirit is praying for you. That's a blessing. God is in control, and guess what? He's not left you alone. He says, my son is interceding for you, and my Holy Spirit is interceding for you. And the Holy Spirit isn't just a force. It's a person. He's God. God the Father, God the Son, and God what? 
the Holy Spirit. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in what? Weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I think that boasting's, Lord, I need your help. God, I need your help. I can't do it, but you can. Right? I'm so thankful that I have a God that can do it. There are times when I can't do it. There are times when I can't get things done or can't do things, and I need God's help. There are times when my mind is racing, and the only one I can turn to is who? The Lord. You get a financial bill, right? What happens to your mind? It begins to race. I had issues with the IRS, and I found out what it was. Anybody get a letter from the IRS, your, brain, your mind automatically begins to what? Oh, no, what did I do? Wait, I'm a conservative pastor. They're targeting me. I mean, it's the truth. It's happened. So I get a, I get a letter from the IRS, and I'm frantic, and my wife's like, don't worry. It's going to happen just the way it's supposed to. We'll get our income tax, and it's probably going to get, we're going to get it right before we move. So I'm frantic about it. She's not. She's calm. She's at peace. I'm restless. I'm doing everything I know to do, right? We do that. We try to fix it. I call a, a, a tax advocate. They get me. I finally got a, a, in contact with an IRS agent. Wow, that was a miracle in itself. <laughs> and I'm talking to them, and they tell me the exact same thing the paper said. Oh, by the way, if during, because of COVID, We've randomly, you know, the air quotes, we've randomly selected you to check over your taxes to make sure they're okay. Well, we got our income tax, and guess when we got it? Just before we moved. His grace was sufficient for me, for his power was made perfect in my weakness. So where is God when I hurt? Not only is he on the throne but he is high and exalted. Isaiah, in the midst of his discouragement, saw an awesome God. May I remind you this morning that when you're going through something, get before God's throne. Where's God's throne? Wherever you pray. Wherever you're at. There was one time, I, you know, I rem when I worked for Tulsa County, and I pastored on the side, I... I would often talk to the Lord in my dump truck. And uh, a lot of the guys, that, now this is another story. I'm kind of going to get on a rabbit trail. None of the guys would ride, drive in my dump truck because I had a, a Christian uh, vineyard uh, tape that I had put in there. And any time they would ride in it, it would get stuck. And the radio would not turn off. <laughs> but when I would get in it, it would pop right out. And isn't that God great? I had a friend of mine, John Wiley, he came in, he goes, I am not riding your truck anymore. I said, why? He goes, the last two days when I got in there, your tape was in there and I couldn't get it out. And when I tried to shut the radio off, it wouldn't turn off. And all I heard all day, I couldn't even turn it down. All I heard was old vineyard worship songs all day. God has got such a sense of humor. But when we're in discouragement, we need to see the awesomeness of God. When I worked there, I would often pray to the Lord in my dump truck. And that was where my throne room was. And there were times God would answer me just the way I prayed. 
I was struggling when I was on staff at New Life of going to Central Bible College and God had other plans later on. You know, I had my GI Bill. I, wanted, I didn't want to waste it. I wanted to go to college. And so I was struggling with this and I was getting ready to resign the church and I went to Insight that night. I, I mentioned that last week, a Bible study with Oral Roberts students. And one of, the per, one of the individuals there had a prophetic word and they said, you never asked me whether you were supposed to go to college or not. Why didn't you ask me? My answer's no. <laughs> so when God answers, he answers, doesn't he? Get before his throne. He is still in control. Again, number two, where is God when I hurt? He is high and exalted. The word exalted means lofty or comes from the Hebrew word, which literally is room, which means to be high, to be set on high, to be raised, to be uplifted, to be exalted, to be lifted or raised. I say that over and over again because in your distress, in your discouragement, get into your prayer room. Remember the movie War Room. Get into your prayer room, wherever that is, and begin to give God praise like Jehoshaphat did. Begin to worship him, exalt him, lift him up, and your eyes will be taken off your problem and onto him, and God will begin to move. I love that movie War Room. If you haven't watched it yet, you need to watch it. It's so good. The word exalted is the Hebrew word nasah, which means to be lifted up, be exalted, lift oneself up or rise up. So basically, Isaiah is saying, I saw God raised up and I saw him raised up. I saw him lifted up and I saw him lifted up. Even your storms and your problems aren't bigger than God. God is bigger than them. God is stronger than them. We receive strength and deliverance when we exalt God and when we hurt. Now we're going to go to 2 Chronicles. Hold your spot here. Go with me to 2 Chronicles. Chapter 20. And if we only get through this today, then we only get through this today. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Look with me in verses 21 through 25, and I'll give you a little history. I've shared some of this this morning already. These armies were coming against Israel, surrounding them, and again, Israel was overwhelmed. And, and here's a wonderful thing. King Jehoshaphat, he's the, he's the leader of the nation. He's the king. He's in charge. And you would think he would know what to do, but when he gets to a point where you don't know what to do, you need to do what he did. I think I actually put, I think I put 21 up here, but I put 1 through 25 on my notes. So let's go through. Let's just read the story. Go with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Let's start in verse 1 instead of verses 21 through 25. After this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, with some of the Munites, came to make war on Jehoshaphat. Verse 2. Some came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom. From the other side of the sea, it is already in Hazazon, Tamar, that is in Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord. 
in front of the New York New Courtyard and said, O Lord God, our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. O our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. But now here are men from Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have not power to face them. This vast army that is attacking us, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. All the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehazel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mattaniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph. And he stood in the assembly. He said, listen, King Jehos Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the paths of Ziz. And you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jerel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance of the Lord will give you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshipped before the Lord. Then some of the Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with, every, with a very loud voice. Early in the morning they left the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor at his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. As they began to sing, now I want you to get this part. We read all this. As they began to sing, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The men of Ammon and Moab rose up against the men of Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. And after finishing slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying there on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and all articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it all. Why, I, why did I read all that? Because... Lifting up God, exalting him in the time of your trouble, uh, defeats the enemy quicker than anything. We know in Isaiah, most scholars agree that one of the jobs that Satan had in heaven, his name was Lucifer, was worship. And, and some scholars believe that he was actually, he was made of stones. You know the Purim on the, the high priest's vest? 
Anybody familiar with it? The different stones that a high priest would wear. They believed that, 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 that Lucifer was made up of a lot of those stones. So when he was kicked out of heaven, he no longer has those stones. And when we begin to raise up God's name, when we exalt him and lift him up as Isaiah saw him, and we begin to praise him, God moves on our behalf. That's the hardest thing. When you're going through a hard time, the hardest thing is to praise God, isn't it? The hardest thing is to get before God and say, God, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to give you praise. Think of the Israelites when they came to the Red Sea. And if you want to know where that's at, look on your map. It's, it's, it's Jabalah's Mountain in Saudi Arabia. It's really there. It's burnt on top. It's black. When they've split it in half, it's made of granite. And, and, and they have found the trough where they took the cattle to, to sacrifice them. And they found gold of Egyptian gold. They actually have the stone with the calves engraved on it. They found a three-story rock that's split in two that's got uh, 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 pressure flaking from water coming up, hydraulic flaking. They have found where it was a huge pool that fed two million people. They have found quail there. They found a bush that's 4,000 years old. It's a juniper bush. Saudi Arabia has put a fence around it. Go look it up. It's the, uh, the, the mountain of God. It's in, it's in Saudi Arabia. And so God, when before he took them to the promised land, they were up against what? The Red Sea. They were at their, their, the, the end of their rope, right? Anybody ever hear that word? I'm at the end of my rope. I don't know what I'm going to do. And yet God came through at the right time and the right moment. God's timing is perfect. Sometimes it seems like it takes forever, but it's not to God. As they begin to praise, as they begin to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the enemy. As you begin to exalt God, as you begin to praise him and lift him up, God's going to begin to defeat things in your life. But you got to give it to him. You got to let him do it. You got to get your hands off of it. That's the hardest thing. Boy, it was hard for me to get my hands off of calling the IRS. And God still came through. Look what Psalms 96 4 says For great is the Lord, and greatly to be what? Praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Hebrews 5 8. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered, Jesus. Look at Hebrews 13, verses 15 through 16. Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of what? Praise to God that is the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name. Those are those times where it's a sacrifice of praise. You have an argument with your neighbor, your spouse. You get angry and you get in your car. Instead of screaming and hollering and saying all kinds of bad things about it, why don't you just put the music on and begin to give God praise? In one of my devotionals, it talked about this wife that was so upset. I don't know who this is for this morning. Maybe it's for somebody. I don't know. Uh, you know us spouses, we get on each other's nerves sometimes. I'm not going to say anything. She gave me the look. But in there it was talking about this lady that was thinking of all and looking at all the bad in her husband. And finally, her minister said, why don't you start writing down all the good things about your husband? As she began to do this, she began to forget about all the bad things. When we begin to focus on God, he begins to take our mind off all the bad things and get our mind on the good things. Look at Psalm 69, verses 29 through 30. 
Do not neglect the de- to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. And I, I, I switched that one. It's Psalm 69 didn't come up, but it says, But I am afflicted and in pain. Let your salvation, O God, set me on high. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Thank you for getting that for me. What does it say? But I am afflicted and in what? In pain. Let your salvation, O God, set me on high. I will praise the name of who? God. With a song, I will magnify him with thanksgiving. That confuses the enemy. When you're going through a bad time, he thinks he's got you. And you begin to praise God and he gets confused. I don't get it. I've thrown everything at them and he's still praising God. Remind you of Job? His wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? I like what he says. Oh, be quiet, foolish woman. Shall we not receive good and bad from the Lord? Of course, God, Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy, not the Lord. Next, and where is God when we hurt? His presence fills the temple, and you and I are that temple. Go back with me to Isaiah chapter 6 here. Isaiah not only sees God seated on his throne... High and exalted, but it says his train filled the temple. Now, in the Old Testament, you call it the Shekinah glory. God would show up. In fact, I can't wait to get to the point where God's presence shows up here where we can't do anything. And we're all poured, God's Spirit's poured out on us. I had a story, but I better not. You and I are that temple. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says, If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. So not only is God seated on his throne, not only are you to exalt him, but he lives in you if you're born again. Listen to this, Ephesians chapter 1, or 1 Corinthians six nineteen. I'm sorry. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God with your body. And before I go on to the next one, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 says, When you heard the message and believed, God sealed you with the Holy Spirit. He put his Spirit inside of you. That word sealed means ownership. That means he put his stamp on you. That means when Satan sees you, he knows that you're a believer in Christ. Remember one time we were, I was, again, I'm bringing back old Tulsa County. I'm like, uh, my, my kids tell me I'm like Bill Cosby. I come up with all these stories all the time. But I went into CC's one day. I was having a bad day. Anybody ever have a bad day? Bad week, maybe? CC's Pizza and, uh, we were doing a big job. If you ever go to Tulsa, uh, St. Francis Hospital's there, and we were doing a huge job. We were widening the road between 81st and 71st, and this was just right before God was moving me to go into full-time ministry, and God used that job. I knew I was supposed to go back to highway construction, and I knew my boss would put me right back into driving a dump truck instead of operating equipment like I know, and I complained about it, so then he put me on the ground to put the throats in. Anybody know what a throat is? They're those drains that the water goes into. And they're about 70 to 80 pounds. And 
you, you have to keep all the bolts loose and you have to have a string line and make everything straight. And so we're doing that work there and I'm having a bad day because it's hot. It was 110 with the heat index of 117. That's the day I almost got heat stroke. And I'm frustrated. And I go eat lunch at CeCe's. And there's this little old lady and she turns to me and she goes, you know Jesus, don't you? And I said, I do. How do you know? She goes, because you're glowing. And I'm thinking, really? I'm sweaty. I'm hot. I'm, I'm frustrated. I think that's God's way of bringing encouragement. That changed my whole day. We need that. God will do that for you. You are that temple. Yes, we're in this building this morning. That's great. But we're the church. The people are the church. We're, we're the ones that he feels our spirit, or not our spirit, he fills our spirit with his spirit. How's that? That work for you? So God's presence fills your temple. Now there's the scripture I was mentioning. And him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Now the Greek word for guarantee is the word arabon. It means a first down payment or pledge. It's kind of like when Mary was getting ready to marry Joseph. She was pledged to be married to what? Joseph. They were married, but he could still do what? Divorce her. So that means you and I, we are sealed in God and safe and secure in him, but we can walk away. So don't walk away from the Lord. Where is God when you hurt? Now that's not grammatically correct. That's really speaking of his attribute. But it's the only thing I could think of. Sound okay with you guys? Where is God when you hurt? He's always holy. He's omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. Look at me in verse 3. What do the, what do the angels say here? I love this because Ezekiel mentions a moment when he was before God's throne. And, and it says, the angel said, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the word holy there is kadash, which means sacred, holy, holy one set apart. You and I, when we get saved, you and I are set apart for God. Therefore, he has made you holy. How many of you guys understand that this morning? It's called imputed righteousness. That means when you get saved, Jesus imputes his righteousness into you. So when the Father looks at you, he doesn't see you, but he sees his Son. Therefore, this morning, if you're born again... And I say that because going to church doesn't save you. Knowing about God doesn't save you. It's surrendering your life to Jesus Christ that saves you. Knowing that you're saved and you have that full assurance. When, when you're saved, he sets you apart and he makes you holy. Therefore, this morning, you are holy. Bet you never thought about that, did you? But you don't know how I acted in Walmart the other day. It's not based on your performance. It's based on your position. 
When you're saved, you're positionally right with God. Righteousness means right standing with God. He is holy. He has set us apart. Have you set God apart in your heart as holy? I find it interesting that the word, the prophetic word this morning that was spoken to edify the church had to deal with what? Holiness. God's holiness. Matthew 6.33 says this, but seek first his kingdom. Or first seek the kingdom of God. This is a different translation. I like the NIV, but first seek the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Seek his holiness. Seek his righteousness. Uh, do you do that in your prayer time? Do you realize that God is holy? Do you recognize who he is? The Bible says that he holds the universe in his hand. I should have got a picture and imported it, but you know NASA, uh, just recently I showed this in our church up in Abernathy. NASA has gotten a picture, and, and, they don't, and this is taken from non-Christian scientific uh, pictures. It shows a hand with a, with a scar, a hole there, and these stars are going like this, and there's this hand creating stars in the universe. And it wasn't taken by any man it was, or any uh, Christian or godly man. It was taken by non-believers. And you're thinking, why aren't they believers yet? But seek first the kingdom of God and his what? Righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. All the problems in your life, God will work them out. Romans 8 says this, God works out all things for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. I shared that one last week. God will work all things out for your good. God's not in it to destroy you. He's in it to promote you. Amen. Finally, it's important what our eyes are focused on. Are we focused on our problem or on the problem solver? Where are your eyes focused? One last scripture. Go with me to 1 Peter in your Bibles. 1 Peter chapter 4. First Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19. This is about suffering, but I think it relates to us today. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12 says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. Now he's speaking of persecution there. But you and I can apply that to any kind of suffering we have in this life. When you get saved, you get a target on your back. Uh, one of my favorite, uh, uh, Far Side, I like the Far Side. Anybody like the Far Side comic strips? My favorite Far Side is the one with the deer and he's got a birthmark on his stomach and it's in the, uh, the shape of a bullseye. When you get saved, you get a bullseye on your back and the enemy knows that. I, I was at the laundromat yesterday because uh, I had to take my daughter's got this giant unicorn. I, I wish I could share you the story of when she first saw it. She had this little, we were at Walmart and you know those bins that are in the middle of the aisles and stuff. And uh, she had this little toy and we were getting it for her birthday and it was the same, about the same price and she wanted a unicorn. And I'm at the checkout aisle getting ready to scan. I hear this, oh dad, I turn around and she literally dived into the thing and was gone. And she pops out with this big old pink, unicorn which has become a pain for me because every time we 
I'll go on vacation. I have to take it with me and I have to shove it in places. And put it places. God wants to do that for us. God has bigger and better things for us. And when we're going through trials, don't be surprised by them. you got a target on your back. You're a Christian. Again, yesterday I was at the laundromat and there was a lady there. And we were talking and I said, uh, she's like, oh, it's hot. And I said, oh, yeah, it is warm. We're getting used to it. We just moved here. And she goes, so did we. We just moved from Maine. And I said, really, your climate's very similar to that up in Washington State. And, then, and she goes, yeah, it's real hot. And she goes, I said, well, what are you doing here? She goes, well, I, we're doing ministry with Free Will Baptist Church down here. God moved us down here. And she goes, you know you're doing God's will when, when all hell breaks loo- uh, uh, loose against you. You become a target. So don't be surprised at what's happening. Remember, I shared last week in James, trials are to test you to make you stronger in the Lord. Verse 13, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and the God and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal or even a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family, God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it's hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Did you get that? Suffering comes in life. We're going to deal with it. We're going to go through trials. Every, trials are good. Change is hard. Anybody like change? How many, I, I did this in my last church. I came in one morning. I almost, I, I didn't do it. I won't do it to you. But are you sitting in the same place you always do? Uh, see, I got a lot of laughs. We're creatures of habit. We don't like change. And so when trials come in, it's a change. I want to finish one real quick. <clears throat> if you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. If, if you're being persecuted, for, and it's coming, guys. Persecution's coming to the Christians in America. Get ready for it. it are, it's already coming. I'm preparing you for it because it's coming. So I, when I was in the service, I had a shirt, and it was a, a Christian shirt, and it had a scripture on it that says when the Wicked flee when no man per, the, the wicked flee when no man pursue, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. And I had on the back of my shirt. And I'm walking down the aisle. One of the guys that I was working with, uh, there were two guys in the dorm. And one of the guys I was working with, I was standing with him. And I started walking back. And one of the guys goes, oh, there goes that Jesus freak. And I turned around and said, praise the Lord that you recognized me. And he never said it to me again. Turn it back on him. I had another guy that I worked with in the, when I was in the Air Force, and I'm not going to say his name in case he's ever watching, but I hope he is. He needs to be saved. But we were in there, and he would insult me constantly. So every morning I'd say, hey, what kind of drink do you want? And I'd buy him a pop. Eventually he stopped saying things to me. Eventually he got to the point where he left me alone. I mean, hey, I wanted him to come to Christ, but he left me alone. That was even better. <laughs> Here's the deal, guys. I don't always handle it well. 
I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't always handle it well. I'm sure you don't. But there's a reason why God had me preach on this this morning. I'm not going to ask you to come forward because there's sometimes we just need to take it before God where we're at. So with every head bowed and every eye closed here this morning, before I ask for you to pray before the Lord, are you here this morning and you're not saved? Salvation means that I've admitted that I've sinned. The ABCs of salvation. I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again. I believe I can't get to heaven on my own good works. It has to be something that Jesus did. And I confess my sins and turn or repent of my sins this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life. You've never given your life to him. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're not right with him. You've given your life to him, but you're like the prodigal son and you're with the swine. Are you here this morning and you need Jesus in your heart? Would you just lift up your hand? You're here this morning. You want to get saved. Everybody's saved in here. I'm going to do something different this morning. I'm going to put you on the spot. If you know that you're saved this morning, raise your hand. Okay, for those that didn't or were slow to raise their hand, that's between you and the Father. Today is the day of salvation. Now I'm going to ask with no, no eyes, every head bowed, every eye closed. Are you here this morning? And you would say, Pastor, this message was for me this morning. And I want to pray. Would you, would you just raise your hand? Are you here this morning? Raise your hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else here this morning? Thank you, thank you. I want to pray for you this morning. Father God, <clears throat> you said you know the needs of our hearts before we even pray them. There are people out here that you love and you care for. And you say in your word in 1 Peter 5, 7, to cast all your anxiety on him, for he cares for you. Father, I pray that you would help them to lay that at, their, at your feet now. That they would lay it at your feet. That you'd bring healing and deliverance and strength into their life. That you'd bring the answers that they need. That, Lord, you would send a word of encouragement this week. Give them a divine appointment. And, Father, as you're unwrapping them, help them to unwrap somebody else. Father, I praise you. I glorify you. I pray protection on them. I pray they're coming and they're going. I pray again for your favor and your grace and your mercy. For your power is made strong in their weakness. And I thank you for this. In the mighty name of Jesus and everybody said, amen. Real quick, I want to remind you. The Bible says that we are all his witnesses, right? Going to all the nation, right? Baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and make disciples of, make disciples of all nations. Baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. All of you, even if you don't have the gift of gab like I do, all of you have the ability to be a witness. That word witness in, in the original Greek means martyr. Are you willing to die for Jesus? Are you willing to give up your time for Jesus? Are you willing to give up your time to help somebody, pray for somebody, and invite somebody to church? I'm sure there's some people that you can invite. That's all, it, it, it can't hurt nothing. I've invited lots of people. Whether they show up or not is not up to me. My job is to scatter the seed, another one's to water, but God makes it what? Grow. I love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday. We'll see you tonight, Sunday night. We're gonna, I'm going to do a series on the book of James. God bless you. Have a great day. If you need prayer, I'm also here to pray with you.